promoting female musicians and artists. Today, I am joined by Annie Hamilton, who is a prolific creator. She releases music under her own name. She's a graphic designer and also a clothing designer. Annie, thanks so much for joining me on Women Who Rock. Thanks for having me. You have been in London. Yes. So you just played a show. Was it Notting Hill? Yes. How was that? It was really fun. Is it your first time that you've played music in London? Uh, I toured a bunch in the UK with my old band Little mm-hmm. May but this was my first time well playing this is my first time playing anywhere overseas with my own music so that was pretty cool how was that experience it was awesome i was on it was just a band night um put on by a communion and there were six bands playing and i was first of six uh but it was a really cool little venue i had a few friends come and there was a good little crowd and i was just doing it solo which is really fun because uh, I normally play with a full band so it's cool to do solo shows every now and then and just mix it up and you know chuck in some Mm. random shit that I'm making up as I go (laughs) (laughs) a little bit of improv as you go (laughs) yeah or a little bit of forgetting words and it's fine because you can just go to the next person it doesn't matter (laughs) no one will notice (laughs) they I mean you've played quite a bit around the world and I guess you've probably played a lot of shows in Sydney as well yeah can you tell us a bit about the vibe in London from when you were there compared to like live music in Sydney? Is there a clear difference in your mind? Um, I think the thing about London is that there's so many more people. So there's such a bigger market for it. There's so many more people who are interested in going out and seeing live music. You know, it might be like late on a weeknight, but in Sydney, if 2% of the population wants to go to a gig and in London if 2% of the population goes there's just automatically so many more people there mm, in London okay. um, so th- I guess there's like I oh, for this show that I just did on with my own music it was pretty small like I'm only just starting out so it was a very much a, like a bunch of friends in the room and a few extra people uh, but when we played Little May shows there a few years ago I can rem- remember those crowds being awesome um just really respectful and used to going to gigs and listening and you know sometimes in sydney you get maybe it's because it's a hometown thing you get a bunch of friends coming in they're really rowdy and they're kind of yelling through your set which um the novelty wears off pretty quickly sure. that's an interesting perspective. I, f- I saw actually when i was there last i went to rough trade records yeah in like brick lane and i saw jade bird and it was like the best. It was I so saw, good. I saw Aldous Harding do an in-store there a few years ago, and that was really cool. She was so good. It's a pretty big space that they have. Yeah, it's great. I love Rough Trade. Yeah, and they have... Is that the one... I was on the one that's in Brick Lane. I don't yeah. really know geographically where that is. It's kind of like in the middle a bit. Yeah, it's in Shoreditch. I went there last week when I was over there. Oh, really? Had a wander through. Okay, so you're still jet-lagged probably. <laughs> I think I'm just over it now I had a pretty rough few days I got home and went um or the day after I got home had a full day of mixing the rest of my EP and I was 
pretty delirious by mm. the end of it. <laughs> yeah, you just don't know what time it is. Yeah, and and you know you you feel kind of sick, and you you don't know if it's like dinner time or breakfast or like <laughs> what you should be doing. Yeah, I, I was very delirious, but I made it through the day. <laughs> it's cool that you did a solo show with your solo work because you've been doing. Yeah, as I said, I mean you've played in lots of different projects, and you still are kind of involved with other bands as well. Yeah, but is it? A sense of freedom when it's that Annie Hamilton and it's sort of about you really yeah. have creative control I guess you're not really compromising with yeah. anybody. that's the thing I love about it I uh when I started the project I just had this kind of um vision from the beginning that I was like this is what I want it to be and what I want it to sound like and it was really hard decision leave, leaving Little May because we had an incredible few years and you know, so many close friends and so many good memories and it was tough leaving the band. But at the same time, when I started doing my own music, I was, I had this kind of just like, yep, this is what I'm doing. I know exactly I can make the, all these decisions and I don't have to, we don't have to check it over with everyone or mm. try and make sure everyone's happy. You can just do your own thing and kind of not have to think about anyone else, which is actually a, a massive luxury. So how does that change the songwriting process? It definitely changes it. I, it just means that I, when I'm writing now, and it took me a long time to get used to it. I think at first I was quite self-conscious and unsure of myself, whereas now I still get bouts of that, but I kind of treat songwriting as more just like sit down and write a song. Don't, don't halfway through writing it think like, oh, what if people don't like it or who am I trying to please? Like just write the song that you want to write. And you can judge later whether it sucks or not but like just do it okay um less inhibition i guess yeah less inhibition and just trusting your gut and and just trusting that you're doing your own thing and and that's all you that's all that i want to be doing is just doing my own thing and if other people like it then that's a bonus been recording as well with a band yep so i've been recording a few new or some of them old songs but they're new songs and no one's ever heard them okay um in the same process that i've done my first few singles so i kind of make demos at home i have some a basic recording set up at home and i make demos and record you know a bunch of layers of guitars and synths and vocals and stuff and then take it into the studio and get my band to play you know drums and bass and then we add any extra layers and often end up redoing vocals and guitars and things so does it i guess but you're going into it with a different mindset because it's sort of yours your concept and then they're filling in around that rather than a big collaborative yeah rather than it being well it's still collaborative like i really trust my the opinions of my band and if they have an idea or if they think you know they have a suggestion that I'm it's all like a very like everyone 
put in their two cents mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's my creative direction. So I'm kind of thinking about what drum parts I want in there and what bass parts. But then I'll like give it, give references or give a vibe or some, you know, ideas to the band, mm. and then they'll kind of say, okay, what about this, and come up with something. So it's a really cool process because it is collaborative. But yeah, it's nice having the control of the direction. Yeah, the freedom and the control. Actually, I mean, talking about the creative process, I'd like to talk about, so you have a clothing brand. Yes. Is it Equinox by yeah. Annie Hamilton? Yes. So I was reading, uh, you were kind of talking about the approach mm-hmm. for the clothing brand. And I was reading that you kind of use minimalist styles. Can you, I guess, in the context of designing clothes, which is something I know very little about, <laughs> can you explain... Uh, what that means, I guess, using really minimalist styles? Uh, yeah, so the idea with my clothing label is kind of that all the pieces are quite timeless and it's it's all made in Sydney and I make, in re- I make really small batches of clothes and so it is quite a small-scale project. Uh, so my the kind of ethos behind the brand is to get people to invest in quality timeless design that they can wear over and over and over again for years and it won't go out of fashion or Mm. they won't get sick of it or it won't fall apart because it's all you know amazing quality um as a more sustainable and a, a more sustainable way of consuming and it's like good for me to be doing in that in that way because it's all produced locally so I know that everyone who's working on it is working under fair conditions and it's all ethically made and all of that which is really important to me so yeah I think the the when I say minimalist styles like if you look at my clothes some of them are like super busy prints um so I say minimalist styles and maximalist prints because I'll have like a really clean silk shirt with just like no frills no extra bits and just a really minimal style and then I'll cover it in (laughs) chaotic illustrations of plants and things. (laughs) It's interesting you mentioned sustainability as well. Yeah. So I was at the, I went to the King Street Crawl and I was at Milk and Thistle Mm -hmm. near the Union Hotel. Yeah. And I was talking to the staff a little bit about the, I guess the idea of like sustainability and the difficulty of, I guess, competing with importing clothes internationally can I get your perspective on that? Yeah it's really tough I'm friends with the team who run Milk and Thistle as well and they we've discussed it as well how how hard it is because you're trying to do things the right way and make things that are good quality and made fairly and you know environmentally friendly materials and then it means that you have to sell a shirt for 300 bucks mm. whereas if anyone goes into a shopping center you can find a shirt for 20 bucks so why are they going to buy yours and you have to try and um i don't know it's like convince people that they should be caring about that but it's a hard thing to make people think about because it's a more expensive choice but i guess the idea behind it is like buy less just buy better mm. so you spend you're not buying so much little cheap stuff which adds up it is really hard to, because yeah, I mean, capitalism sucks. <laughs> it's the worst. Yep. And it's so. I guess what approaches do you have to? It's really education, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's tricky because there is the hypocrisy of me trying to sell people clothes. You know, I'm saying like, hey, 
buy my things but don't buy many things <laughs> so I'm it's just it's really tough to like almost I'm like hey don't buy my clothes like just <laughs> just think about it <laughs> you know and if you love it maybe consider buying it sure. but don't just like buy stuff but I'm sure that's better than buying a you know you can get t-shirts for like five bucks right from yeah some and they're less ethically sourced yeah yeah th- well brands. that's the problem is that clothes you know, it's only been in the last 10, 15 years that fast fashion has happened. And now people, it's just so embedded in the mindset that that's how much a t-shirt, that's the value of a t-shirt is five bucks. Whereas like 50 years ago, a t-shirt wouldn't have been five bucks. People would have just, you know, it just wouldn't have existed. Um, So, but now people are just so used to it that you can't convince people. It's like trying to get people to, you know, buy, pay more for local organic produce trying to I guess educate people and make them aware of what uh, choices they have and where they're putting their money so maybe 50 years ago clothing companies didn't have to say that they were like sustainable and no because it, it just was yeah right? well okay. it, because everything was such smaller scale and people would you know buy one coat and that's that's their coat yeah Whereas, okay sure. and now it's like every winter I buy a long coat and a short coat and a hot a hot coat, <laughs> a warm coat, <laughs> and, a, and a cool coat, and a pink coat. I don't know. Yeah, like, I think, and a lot of the really hazardous materials that I guess are all plastic-based, well, they kind of started being invented in the 50s. So that's when it kind of started changing. But before that, everything was natural fibres, which is a lot more sustainable. Okay. So mainly, like, cotton and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Like linen and cotton and wool and... Yeah. Okay. But what do you think we can do to make people realize that they should be buying less often but buying high quality? I think it's uh, na- I, maybe not naturally happening, but I think it's happening. It's becoming much more mainstream. It's becoming a much more mainstream conversation and a lot of more mainstream brands are jumping on board. Maybe you can say it's like part of a trend and that's not necessarily a good thing that brands are jumping on board but at the end of the day if it means that people are thinking about it and talking about it I think that's a good thing I think if consumers are made aware of these issues that we should be caring about then they at least have it's their decision then whether they want to actually research and look into it and shop according to their values or Mm. whether they want to ignore it and you know yeah I agree I kind of feel as though from like my observations it seems as though there is a pushback from the the I don't know if it's fast fashion, but the idea of you get buy something very cheap and very crap, yeah, and you have to buy a new one. I think it's happening across the board of a lot of things as well. Mm. I think it's the reaction to the last ten years where everything there's so much of everything being created, whether it's you know I don't know clothes or stuff that you buy or even music like. All of a sudden, in the last 10 years, everyone could do everything and make everything. And then now people are going, oh, actually, it's a bit overwhelming and I don't know if I'm into this. Yeah. And and taking a step back and starting to slow down a bit. And more going to, like, markets rather than... Yeah. Going to markets on a Sunday is good. Yeah. And But I'm not sure if it's actually, like, a reflection of society at large or it's just that I'm becoming more yeah. aware of that. 
I ask myself the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So we can put it's uh, Equinox by Annie Hamilton. Yes. We can put a link in the thing. I had a look at the clothes. They look very nice. Thank so you. let's put a link there and people can have a look. But we should listen to some music. Yes. Uh, you released, so the last single um, that you had was called Kitchen. Yep. And then uh, quite recently you released a sort of a stripped back version of that yeah and i've listened to that a lot over the last couple of days thank you so i think let's uh let's have a listen to that and then we'll come back and have a bit more of a chat sounds good so this is a stripped back version of the latest annie hamilton single called kitchen clouds are rolling down the hills i tell you they
that was a stripped back version of Kitchen, the newest single by Annie Hamilton. We should talk about, so you wrote that in Iceland, is that right? That's right. Can we talk about that process and, and how was Iceland as an experience? Yes. I went to Iceland on a residency a couple of years ago or 18 months ago. Doing graphic design or? Mainly doing music. Oh, right. Okay. But when I applied for it, um, I, well, I applied for everything. I was, I basically said like, it was open to, to artists and musicians and designers or creative people in any discipline. And I put it in an application saying I have a fashion label and I do illustration and I do graphic design and also I do music. And so basically I got an apartment in a tiny town, quite isolated in the north of Iceland and just locked myself in the apartment for a couple of months and it had a piano. That's why I, well, I wrote Kitchen on the piano, which is why I decided to do the stripped back. On that piano? Not on the piano in the stripped back Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) So I wrote it originally on the piano in Iceland and then uh, it turned into this big, you know, massive song. Mm-hmm. Massive rock song. And so then I decided it would be nice to record a way more stripped back, quiet version, which is mainly featuring the piano to kind of hark back to how I wrote it. How it began. Yeah. When you say you're doing a residency, does that, you're doing a residency, but for a lot of creative pursuits. So does that mean that you're performing regularly or it's mainly for, to create? It was mainly to create. Okay. So I got subsidized rent. It's through this, it was through an Icelandic organization and they were trying to attract international creative people to the, cause it's this tiny town. So yeah, I basically got what I got was subsidized rent for that time. So I could live really cheaply and have this incredible space in an incredible location and yeah I played I had to do a gig for the town which was pretty funny how many people lived in the town not many <laughs> um cool and it was That's cool though yeah it was tiny like it was you would you would know everyone in the town if you lived like if you lived there people don't lock their doors you know mm. people leave their doors propped open with pot plants when they go on holidays overseas for a few weeks so that the neighbors can come and feed their pets it's really like... Sounds like paradise. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a very cold, cold paradise. Um, but it's a pretty amazing place. It's absolutely stunning. The scenery is incredible and the weather and the... I just loved it. I Yeah. I found it very... Um, well, I d- ended up designing my next collection of clothing inspired from the trip. So all the colours and the textures and the kind of things that I found there... Were a big influence on me creatively. You create through so many mediums. So when you were in that environment, was there? So it said you designed a lot of clothing. Was that really honing in on that part of your brain that you wanted to design clothing, or were you just had like really heightened senses and you want to make music, you want to draw, you want to do everything? Yeah, that. Mm -hmm. I think it's not so much like the clothing for me isn't so much. I don't have a background in fashion, and it's not that I want to be a fashion designer. It's just that I love creating things and I love clothes and I love fabrics because I love the textures and I love the way that the fabric drapes and the way that you can print. Like if I can do an artwork and print it onto silk and then it just flows and it has this like 
added life to it that it doesn't have in a two-dimensional form. Mm. Like there's all these different parts of it that I that just totally draw me into the kind of clothing world. Also the fact that people will then wear it on their body and it's, you know, a personality thing and it's like part of it becomes part of people's character like how they dress. So there's I find there's a lot of really interesting things other than the like fashion can often often be really trivialized and I think it is not trivial at all. It's a really interesting creative expression because it's not just like you make it and then it lives on a wall like you make it and then it's worn by other people like it has you know it It exists in three dimensions as well i never really thought about that to be honest yeah that a print is two-dimensional but clothing is three-dimensional yeah and when i'm designing the prints for the fabric for the clothes i'm often thinking like how will this look when it's moving or when it's like draped over a body Mm. um but yeah, in Iceland, I didn't really, I feel like I didn't do much while I was there. Or I did a lot of music, but in ter- like I designed all the clothing when I got home. But when I was there, I just was trying to document everything. So I was sketching everything, taking heaps of photos, um, collecting, you know, pressed plants and bits of the soil so I could record the colors and just really taking in everything and writing every- heaps every day. Um, and I found that just from being there alone for so long, so isolated and taking in everything and documenting everything, it was like I was building up this big bank of like creative energy. And then I kind of got home and vomited it all up (laughs) in the form of In the form of beautiful clothes. clothes. (laughs) (laughs) The, is that? A draining experience, though, being having, I guess it's like your really heightened senses because you see the yeah. soil and you you don't just look at soil, you look at the color and the textures that you can take back for later. So it's like you're an antenna to all this stuff that's kind happening. Of. Is it? I think that's the beauty of traveling alone, though. I well, even when I was just in London for the last week on my own, I I don't know. I love traveling on my own because I love how or even just being you don't have to be traveling being at home alone Mm. you become so much more aware of everything and all yeah the heightened senses and and the way that you kind of will think about how something smells or tastes or looks or feels whereas if there's someone else around and you're chatting about what you did on the weekend you're totally distracted and you don't really you're not observing things the way that you do when you're alone i like traveling alone as well but I think part of it for me is that I don't have to get up early like everyone else. <laughs> I love getting up early. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so when I, when I was traveling alone, I was up for sunrise every morning. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. That's cool, though. You you just absorbed so much of Iceland in oh, that time. Yeah. And, and also the cool thing about Iceland when I was there, it was autumn going into winter. So it was getting really dark. And cold. So by the time I left, I think the sun was rising at about 10 and setting at about 4. Okay. So it was kind of like you could get up really early and it would be pitch black. And the sun then doesn't rise until 10 a.m. And it's very strange. So it's 18 hours of dark, It's very strange when you're used to being in Sydney. But yeah, in the height of winter in the town I was in, they don't get sunlight for two months or something. I would love to go back. For, um, I'd probably go crazy, but I'd love to go back for the proper winter. The darkness of winter. The darkness of winter. You I won't think, get to press any soil, though. But I think it would be very good for creative <laughs> mm. work. It probably has an inf- 
interesting influence on your psychology. Yeah. Being in the dark the whole Being time. Being in the dark. Yeah. So when you are, you said that you kind of absorbed all of that, then you came back and expressed it through a variety of mediums. Mm -hmm. Do you think that when you create music and then graphic design and then clothing, do you think you're trying to get the same message across and express the same things? Or is it sort of compartmentalized where when I'm singing, it's about this. And when I'm making clothing, it's about this idea. I think the actual ideas the subject matter in my designs and the songs are different but the process is very similar and I think they sit in a very similar world um aesthetically or like sonically I think like my illustrations are maybe the visual equivalent of my songs sometimes not necessarily like there's definitely a very it's a it's the same kind of energy that's going into it and the same process and the same things swirling around that's making whatever spit out the other end um but yeah some like some of my songs are like sad love songs whereas my clothes are more like interesting um ways or like the things that i find interesting about like nature and the kind of like creepy elements of the natural world it's interesting you say that some of the i guess drawings and stuff it's like a representation of the music i kind of feel as though you have like you can link things in your brain in a way that i can't because <laughs> you have these like yeah you express it in so many different ways but there's sort of some kind of link between yeah. it. that's cool <laughs> i guess it's a but i think it's probably a taste like a very personal, like everyone would have different taste in everything, music or art or fashion or whatever. And mine probably just sits in a place that makes like every everything that I'm doing is coming from the same place. So it will automatically have a similar kind of link mm. between them. <laughs> It's time for the segment, Tell Me A Thing. I have a list of seven topics, so I'd like you to choose one. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, poetry, politics, Patti Smith, death, and punk rock. So, Annie, can you please tell me a thing? That's such a good list. Thank you. They're all, I think that's the first compliment of the list really as a whole. They're all really good things. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um... I'm going to choose Patti Smith because I am halfway through reading her latest book, so it feels appropriate. Just released, right? Yeah. I think it came out last week, two weeks ago. Okay. Are you enjoying it? Yeah. Without spoilers. <laughs> um, yes. I'm not enjoying it as much as I enjoyed M Train. M Train was my favorite. Okay. More than Just Kids? Yeah. Just Kids I really enjoyed, but I didn't. I don't want to go back and read it over and over again. Whereas right. M Train makes me want to go back and. That's interesting because I'm the opposite. What uh, is it about M Train that really draws you in? Uh, it's I just like the, the kind of meanderings of her mind and the way that it, she's just writing about nothing in particular. She's writing about sitting at home and then going to get a coffee and then, you know, going back home. But it's so 
poetic and beautiful and the imagery and the kind of ideas that come just kind of drifting into the way she writes is so beautiful for uh, and it's about such mundane or mm. a lot of it is such mundane kind of just daily I don't know just like I didn't do much today but it's amazing <laughs> I found it yeah I mean the way that she writes is so poetic yeah her writing style is so tight yeah it's just oh man I tell everyone that will listen to me that they should read Patti Smith because her writing style is amazing oh, her writing's beautiful but I found yeah I kind of found M Train difficult because it does there's no like linear narrative yeah I think I have a very basic brain I need <laughs> needs to be like chronologically ordered for me to follow because you're a scientist <laughs> well yeah basically I guess we're brain. engaging different parts of our brain when we're <laughs> reading Patti Smith yeah I think I got bored by how linear Just Kids was I really enjoyed it. It was really interesting stories. I really, I I love all the little like stories of things that happened at the Chelsea Hotel and stuff. But at the same time, I was kind of like, okay, it's, you're just telling, like you're telling the story, telling it beautifully. But I kind of prefer when there's no story and she's just like rambling. Did you like Devotion? Have you read Devotion? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I really liked Devotion. I thought you would like Devotion. Yeah. Because it's kind of, it has an unusual structure. Yeah. But it's really beautiful as well. It's mm. beautifully written. Yeah. And there's another one called Wool Gathering. Have you read Wool Gathering? I haven't read that, no. Well, there's more to Do I have a homework list? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll add it to my list. Yes. And we should all go out and read uh, The Year of the Monkey. Is Year that? of the Monkey. I bought it today, so I should know the title. But <laughs> um, it's, it's definitely a step in the more surreal direction. But Thanks. I'm only, I have not, I'm probably almost halfway through. Okay. You're doing well. It just came out, right? Yeah. Okay. But I was traveling. Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> you read it on your way to and from London. Yes. Okay. That's a lot of time. Yeah. In a, in a chair. <laughs> Thanks for bringing up Patty Smith. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Annie, so much for coming on Women Who Rock. It's been great. Thank you for having me. This has been Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3.